Hi, and welcome to the Trail to Austin, the place where you get to meet the people of Austin and learn how they became the people of Austin. I'm here with my co-host, Joel McCall. Hello. And we're at a little different location this week. Uh, if you hear an occasional jet go by, uh, you know, don't think anything of it. It's just kind of a... We're getting to enjoy the outdoors because the weather's beautiful, and we're at a lovely facility that we'll talk more about in just a moment. But um, where we're at today is the Live Oak Brewery, and I've got with me Mike O'Connell, who's the Director of Marketing. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and Ryan Myhan, who's the brewer here. Yeah, one of, one of the one of one four, of, four one brewers. Four. Okay. So... Um, you know, we try to find out a little bit about Austin businesses or Austin people and, and stuff like that. So how did Live Oak get started here in Austin? Well, I'm going to let Ryan take that one. <clears throat> well, uh, we are Austin's currently longest running brewery. Um, maybe Real Ale would dispute that, but they don't count. They're in Blanco. Uh, <laughs> we're, we started in Austin in uh, 1997 by my boss, uh, still to this day, uh, Chip. McElroy or Dr. McElroy. He's a doctorate and uh, from UT in uh, biochemistry and um, what is it? Um, bio- microbiology, I think. <laughs> uh, micro- uh, uh, crap, yeah, one of those. Molecular. Um, molecular, molecular biology. biology. Yeah, yeah, there there it is. Thanks for the save. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Uh, but his, his uh, focus is on kind of the yeast side of beer. Um, and he um, kind of, after his doctorate, he kind of made drugs for a big pharma in Southern California, and but had, finally got the itch to move back to Austin in the 90s, or early 90s, late 80s. I joined a homebrew club. That's where he met Brian Peters, uh, a.k.a. Swifty. Um, he's the, the head brewer at ABGB, Austin Beer Garden Brewing Company. We really. love you, Swifty. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. A lot of love. And, uh, yeah, the, him and Chip met up in a homebrew club here still to this day. It's, it's around. It's called uh, Austin Zealots. And uh, they formed this kind of this uh, bond friendship over making similar old-school styles of beer that no one else was making, everyone else was making, and, you know, pale ales and IPAs, <clears throat> amber ales, American stuff. They're the only two, seemingly like the only two brewers in this homebrew club making traditional German pilsners and uh, have a bison. So, yeah, they started in 1997, 8,000 8, square foot facility in, in East Austin. There's the plane. Yep. <laughs> I, I was telling Joel earlier, I said the, the prop planes are actually worse than the jets when yeah. they come over. Yeah. <laughs> they Sorry, that longer. was a prop plane, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, started in a small uh, facility that um, we moved out of in late 2015 and moved here. Uh, went from 8,000 square foot square feet to 22,000 square feet. So major upgrade in every, pretty much every facet of the, the business. So it wasn't uh, an yeah. old, like uh, meat packaging, meat plant? packaging facility, meat pack <laughs> plant, um, very low ceilings, not, you know, not ideal for a brewery um, almost by any means, but hell, I mean, Chip will say we made good beer there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you, you alluded to that, and I was interested about that because I noticed that they do, you know, specialize in, like, European-style beers and and such. Is there 
any particular reason, just because they like those better or something? I think they, they, historically, Chip has been to Germany and just Europe in general just a whole bunch of times. Same with Swifty. So um, they're just they're like, we got to bring these beers back to back to uh, Central Texas, back to the, the people that invented these styles of beers um, because Central Texas is filled with a bunch of Germans and Czechs and Polish people. I mean, case in point, always... You know, um, reference Shiner. Uh, Shiner being started by a Czech <clears throat> immigrant, a spe- uh, Cosmos Spetzel. So, I mean, a bunch of people um, that should like these styles of beers. And that's what they're go- They're like, they'll like these beer, st- beer styles again because they invented them before they moved over to Texas. <laughs> well, it's my understanding, too, that a lot of them located here because the water tasted very much like home in Germany and, and the Czech Republic. Used to be Czechoslovakia, but now right. the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely some similarities. Um, our our water is not as soft as it is in the in the Czech Republic, but um, in um, it's more similar to Germany. I'd say like more similar to Bavaria. It's decently hard, um, and there's just like there's a lot of limestone here. There's a lot of limestone in Bavaria, so I think we, I'd say we have a similar profile but we we also have just like our own profile as well that we uh just utilize centrally excellent so one of my uh one of my thoughts was i moved here in the early 90s and there was seemed to be an explosion of breweries in the uh in the 90s and then it seemed to kind of dissipate in the early 2000s was there anything that changed or any laws or such that account for that Oh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> so you're saying that there was a kind of a lull in brewery growth in the 2000s? Actually, there was a lot of closures in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah I think part of that is competition from big beer and mm-hmm. not having the market yet to support craft beer, or what we call craft beer, just basically different beers than what's ma- mostly available. Because um, then, then you saw a major explosion of breweries after in the 2010s, you know, that you know, right. That's when they really started blow, exploding again. Uh, but yeah, you saw some closures like Celis. Um, that was a big one. Mm-hmm. But I, they they had also sold out to Miller, I think, um, along that that route. And I basically think a, th- a lot of these big breweries were c- comp- um, basically pushing the smaller guys off of shelves, mm-hmm. but also acquiring them to basically put them out of business. I yeah, think it a becomes a the biggest challenge and something that we probably continue to face is that there's always a competition for shelf space. I mean, that's, that's the majority of, if you're selling your beer at a brewery, um, the majority of your business is going to come, you know, a large chunk of it's going to come from your actual brewery. But then when you sell it to other locations, like an off premise account, uh, you have these sets and those sets are dictated by, Distributors, um, like who's going to be in what spot and where, and they they have all of the numbers that are sometimes, uh, you know, magic economic <laughs> numbers, <laughs> you know, artificial inflation and whatnot of like what is going to sell, and so that you have the you have the issue of of trying to differentiate yourself from other breweries, um, and I think there was probably a lull during that time of just because 
I mean, craft beer overall, I feel like has been that that sort of moniker of craft beer hasn't been as prevalent in, you know, in our vernacular, I guess, as uh, in the late 90s. It it was for a certain time where you'd hear micro breweries and things like that. And now like, you know, craft beer is sort of like synonymous with like independent beer. Uh, But that didn't really take off until, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s. And now we're kind of seeing it surge quite a bit. And we are actually, if you look at the raw data, you're seeing craft brewery is taking a huge chunk away from uh, the macro brews, the Bud Miller Coors. And so, we see more growth in our small world. I mean, it's a very small world. Yeah, there are 7,000, you know, plus breweries in the U.S., but our overall uh, market share is a very small amount, but it's continuing to to grow every single year. Well, and that certainly seems to have its effect on your macro brewers because they're scrambling to come up with pumpkin spice beer and, you know, and just... And then they're putting money into other things. I mean, you have, for instance, like Pabst. Pabst is putting out their alcoholic coffee, you know, cold brew. They're also, uh, they just put out an IPA recently, which is, (laughs) I mean, we're in a weird timeline now. I know, with all these White Claw drinks and stuff like that. Yeah, I love White Claw. (laughs) Hey, you're not supposed to say that here, man. Can't they throw you off premises for that? (laughs) I I like Pilsner. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good hard seltzer for me. So, um, yeah, because I've kind of done some looking into it, and the the numbers I had was there was a six seven hundred and sixty two pit percent increase in breweries between oh nine and eighteen. Yeah. So that corresponds to exactly what you guys are saying. You know that it was huge growth. Yeah, and along that time, along that that time period, um, we finally reached the number of breweries that were open before prohibition. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's taken us this long to come back after Prohibition to finally get up, up to the same number of breweries wow. that there were. I had no idea. But now we've <laughs> that shows you what something will do. Huh? Yeah, sure we've definitely uh, you know, surpassed that, not just the, you know, but also the, the world wars had an effect on. I also think, too, that's a beer, good the beer testimony that, like, what we do is viable. It's something that people right. want. I, I mean, you can kick back with a. Miller High Life any time of the week, you know? But there are some people that want to go that sort of extra step of like, well, the brewery down the street makes a beer that is in the same style but way better, and I want to support my local market. I mean, everyone's a little bit more conscious, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, you know, the growth of the Internet, uh, people being more socially aware of, you know, predatory business practices versus sustainable business practices. And, you know, we kind of see this sort of mesh across different industries kind of coming together and sort of forming uh, a different viewpoint of than where we were 20 years ago that like people want to support local and they want to figure out, okay, well, how, what can I do? Like we, we employ like 50 people here. Nice. And it's, and, and that is to me, that's not necessarily a large number, but it's a pretty, big number for people that are local but like when you pick up this beer and you drink it you know that there has been somebody that is your neighbor involved in the process in one way right. or another and that to me i think a lot of people are looking for that and are willing to pay a little bit more which at the end of the day really isn't that much more than what you would pay for something that is 
constantly churned out in a more macro sense. Right. Well, doesn't that also kind of harken back to to Europe, where every town had mm-hmm. their their beer, you know, and they had yeah. that local civic pride. And, Still is like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so and you guys have also taken on a, a little different distribution model than most. I think we were talking about that earlier. Um, where So it's kind of limited your market mm-hmm. in a way, but it also – tell us a little more about that. So we, uh, since the very beginning in 1997, we're self-distributed. Uh, now, granted, when we opened up in a few other markets such as uh, you know Houston, College Station – uh, we have signed with distributors out there because the, from a, from a more practical standpoint, right. is huge. it doesn't make sense for us right. to deliver all of our kegs and packages to an account out there. You know, one guy going in a truck, staying overnight, delivering a couple of days, yeah. and coming back. It just doesn't yeah, make Houston, sense. Houston's massive. Houston's a massive <laughs> market, but for the most part, we, from 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 the beginning process of brewing to packaging, to delivering, as well as even quality control from the viewpoint of a business when we are cleaning draft lines. You know, we, that's, a, that's a service that we offer every two weeks. We come into your bar, we clean your draft line, make sure that it's good because we want the, the, the product that is getting to your, the consumer. We want it to <clears throat> taste the same as you would buy it here at the brewery. Uh, so, you know... It's a little bit different of a model. Some places are just wanting to sell, you know, their beer through a distributor, which can, quote unquote, guarantee more placements within uh, your market. Mm-hmm. But at the you end of the have day, to, you don't have truck maintenance like we do. We have exactly. to, we have truck repair bills. We have right. we have that face to face. You're talking to our sales rep who works at the brewery, to the person who's delivering the kegs, to the person who's cleaning your draft lines and fixing draft issues that you may have. Uh, you know, we are all in house. We're all in house, and it's a that to me is the sort of epitome of what. Um, I guess would have been done in the old days, right? You know, like it's 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 you're a face to face. That's how you do business. And Texas is very, uh, they and like to know who it is that they're dealing with. They want to know. You know, it's a faceless corporation doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. To some people, it does. Uh, you know, it's money. Uh, but to other people, it's no. We've done business with you for twenty years. Like we want to continue to do business with you for another twenty years. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, well. Let's talk about the product. So, Sweet. Yep, that's you. That's my, it's that's all on area. you now. Yeah. So, um, you know, like you said, you you brew very traditional European style beers. Why don't we uh, talk about some of those? And, and well, um, starting out with probably the one that most people in Austin have sampled, um, or you know, still consume a, a daily. <laughs> Um, the the German Hefeweizen. Yes. Um, it, some people think it's our flagship. Actually, our flagship is uh, our Czech Pils. Just Pils was the 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 beer that Chip thought he'd build his brewery on, but turned out Hefeweizen ended up being the the cash cow, so to speak. Um, even though it's it, it's not the the brewery favorite, honestly, it's <laughs> it's actually it's I mean it's my favorite beer personally, and luckily, it? luckily luckily I get to make that beer oh. for a living. Um, somehow, some way, um, but uh, 
but the yeah the the the, the like our house beer is is actually pills, but yeah for some reason Hefeweizen just blends perfectly with with the Texas weather. It's a great um, hot weather beer. Oh yeah. Um, when it's really cold, it's super. It's, it's flavorful, obviously, but also still refreshing at the same time. Low bitterness, so um, even as it warms up a little bit, you're, you're not having any clashing bitterness. Um, yeah, it's also great uh, during breakfast too. <laughs> uh, breakfast very, of champions. Folks. Yeah, Germans Germans drink it for breakfast over there, like daily. It's a very um, approachable right. beer. Right. Like it's it's insane. Even before I started with Live Oak, I mean that's the beer that you just knew was that yeah Live Oak Hef. Or, when, or you'll go to a bar, and 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 we've seen this firsthand. We we see it in the tap room. People come in and they say, "Can I get a Live Oak?" Right. Yeah. And you're like, "No, Not that's the name of our more. brewery." Yeah, yeah. We, we make more than one beer. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I promise you. Um, but yeah, it's it's it just turns out to be. A, a perfect beer for beer, uh, you know, connoisseurs, and also beer, uh, you know, people that are new to beer. Uh, that just like I don't really like beer. Uh, what, what do you think I would like? And just like I usually you know, just like try this. Mm-hmm. It's not like if you if you had just regular you know macro beer, this is unlike any other beer you've had. Uh, so very approachable for both both types of people, I think. Okay, and then um, you have some other styles that I know you guys uh, do as well. Mm-hmm. We do a lot more lagers than most people do. Um, most pe- most American brewers typically brew ales. Mm-hmm. Really, the difference is in what kind of yeast you use. Do you, are you using ale yeast or are you using lager yeast? And that's really just the 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 you know deciding factor for ales and lagers. And <clears throat> ales tend to basically at the end of the, like long story short, ales have more. Uh, of the ale yeast, of that yeast's flavor in the finished product, and mm-hmm. lagers less so. Lagers are basically like almost every opposite uh, side of the equation. Uh, lagers are opposite to ales, um, so they're more a uh, little like more drier and crisp. Oh, nice! We got the lo- we got some horses. Yeah, we, I was yeah. just <laughs> behind us, looking over my over uh, Joel's shoulder yeah. at this horse behind him. <laughs> yeah, one of our one of our neighbors has a bunch of horses, and he comes over here and lets them run. And uh, and uh, and poop and uh, <laughs> yeah, they definitely poop a lot. Oh, it does no, say wow. pets they're, must stay they're, outside. Yeah. <laughs> they're very they're very friendly though. He's a very friendly. A uh, uh, French dude. He's like super French. Well, and that's cool. you know but, again. We'll we'll come back to the facility in a minute. But this is a uh, yeah, this is a nice place to spend a, some time. People, you might run into some horses here at Lava. Never know. Uh, but yeah, we make a lot of different lager styles, like cleaner. Um, some would say easier drinking styles, um, just kind of all the color spectrum from pale to to dark. Um, so starting out with our Czech Pilsner, uh, that's our house favorite. Uh, Czech malt, Czech malted barley, Czech hops, Czech lager yeast, and, uh, and all the waters from here, obviously. Um, and then we also make we just came out with <clears throat> Live Oak Gold, our German Pilsner, basically German everything, German malt, hops, yeast. Um, so you can really get a difference between, because there is a definitely a difference between a properly made Czech Pilsner and a properly made German Pilsner. Um, we also make Big Bark. It's been one of our long-time year-rounds. Um, I just think that beer gets better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we finally kind of dialed in the recipe to where, what it needs to be. and It's like 
I call it. It's a it's a beer's beer. If a beer would drink a beer, yeah. you'd want to drink Big Bar. <laughs> it's, it's underrated. <clears throat> yeah, so much easiest. I think easiest. Uh, like the Hefe, it's easiest to like get on board with this mm. beer. It's just super bready, malty, a little, a little toasty, um, and it has just the perfect amount of hop character to still be hoppy enough for the style, but not be not over overpower the malt character. It's still very clean and crisp. Um, just a really good all all kind of time of year weather beer, um, and uh, other lager styles. We also um, specialize in a lot of what are called Rauch beers or German smoked mm-hmm. beers, smoked lagers called Rauch, Rauch beer. Um, and basically, do the whole color spectrum of that. We do you know, a light Heller Rauch. Um, we even do a smoked Oktoberfest style. Nice. Should have mentioned that we also do, yeah, like at Oktoberfest. We call it Oktoberfest, being live oak. Right. Uh, so, and then our, so our, our smoked version of that is called Smoketoberfest, so that worked out. Uh, definitely, <laughs> the naming of that. Oh, that one was easy. Um, and then we even make a smoked Hefeweizen that we have available right now in the tap room. Um, and we even have a smoked uh, Schwarzbier, or Schwarzbier, but the Germans say Schwarzbier. Um, it's called the Schwarzerauk. Or Schwarzer or Schwarzer Rausch, or Schwarma Ranch. Schwarma Ranch. Some is people, my favorite. some people can't uh, pronounce <laughs> can't our beers. Them, huh? Yeah, they can't quite get the pronunciation. They like to mess with everybody by having right. those. Everyone's like Weber Ranch. They're like, yeah, ah, for the, we'll for the that. smoked taffy, we call it Weiserauch. <laughs> just call it something different every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, it's a whole lot of fun to just like have a bunch of super German sound, you know, super German ti- beer titles. Um, and just see what people come up with <laughs> when they order it. It's pretty pretty <laughs> hilarious. So um, that that brings up, uh, I noticed it, was it like two, three weeks ago you guys had a Roush Fest? Yeah, we did, yeah. It, 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 and uh, I, hate, I hate to be that guy, but uh, it's uh, when you say Roush, that actually is the German word for buzzed, more or less. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So you're not, you're not completely wrong. It definitely was that. Uh, but uh, but uh, when referring to the smoke beer, it's it's a really hard like K sound like Rauk. Rauk. Okay. Yeah, so Rauk Rauk beer. So, so I'm another one of those so people who's mispronouncing. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> we ha- it happens all the time. We just we. I'm I'm, just, I'm being my boss right now. Essentially, I'm doing what he would do. <laughs> yeah. Me, I'm like, ah, it's all good. You got it. Yeah. It's close enough. Just the just the fact that people are drinking Rauk beer. Yeah. You know, it's it's a. It's, it's huge. I mean, we think it works here, um, works here better than more most places in the world because there's mm-hmm. such a lot, there's such a huge uh, culture of barbecue and smoked uh, meats. Yeah, that uh, is a good combo in, in Central Texas, just Texas in general. So we thought this market would be more open to these uh, smoky styles of beers, which are just really old school, traditional German styles in this particular town in Bavaria called Bamberg, uh, where. The locals there drink mostly rock beer. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, um, as part of a little bit, as we kind of wrap up on the brewing and go into the facilities, one more mm-hmm. question for the home brewers out there. You know, the number one thing is always consistency. So, mm-hmm. what piece of advice could you give them on uh, making their brew more consistent? Temperature control is the, is the biggest, and they and they know this for the most part, but just trying to. Do your best to, you know, when you when you send your beer to the fermenter, do as do as 
get as close as you possibly can to the, that optimal fermentation temperature, whatever you're trying to hit. Try to knock it out in the fermenter at that temperature and hold it there for the most part of fermentation. Um, and then, you know, letting it free rise towards the end of fermentation to warm up a little bit and clean up the beer a little bit. Um, the biggest thing is temperature control. Chip, yeah. would, Chip would say the same thing. Uh, it's a, it's the hardest. Also, the you know it's it's ex, it's expensive. Uh, it's not cheap for homebrewers to have to buy a, a refrigerator and convert it with it like attach it to a temperature controlling probe and um, to try to keep the temperature from getting you know from from going up and down too much because usually people when you start homebrewing you just leave it in your closet. And just you know, forget about it. It's like that's not good. You don't want to do that in Texas. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have a little secret. Back in the day when I used to do this, and I, I was living in an apartment in Houston at that time, I was uh, paid for by a corporation, and so I would fly home to Austin on the weekends. Where I would start my beer firming, and then I'd whip the air conditioner all the way down to like sixty-two degrees, and keep it there. And you know, I'd come back <laughs> Sunday night, and the place would be, you know, just freezing inside. But it was like. Ah, yes. <laughs> the beer didn't go off. <laughs> yeah, 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 that 62 would be okay, but basically just, um, it, you know, it's it's still hard to for the beer to regulate its its temperature, even with just outside air temperature. Uh, you, you really need something, just its own kind of environment. Um, and some people, go as, some people go as nerdy as to have a, uh, a work like a like a beer like a circulator pump mm-hmm. where it circulates that. it and it keeps it at a consistent temperature. Um, I mean, I've had great results just having its own little uh, in refrigerator setup, keeping it if it's an ale around sixty eight and if it's a lager around you know fifty around forty eight to fifty. Right. Uh, that's that's works typically fine. So I wanted to talk. You know, um, I wanted to get give credit to your facility here to try to get people out here. So uh, you moved here in 2015? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excellent. So, and obviously you've got the grounds here. Um, how many, 22 acres? Yeah, uh, yeah. we're on 22 acres. Uh, we are literally across the street from the airport. Yeah, that's why you hear the planes, within, folks. Yeah, within five minutes. <laughs> after uh, the terminal in five you minutes. Leave, you're here. You that's can our, get that's here. our slogan. Yeah, yeah we, we our try slogans. to get a lot of people that are coming in and out of Austin to come here first. You know, right. we're, we're if you're coming to Austin and you're looking for a place to hang out when you land first. I mean, this is you couldn't ask for a better spot. I mean, yeah. we've got like I said, 22 acres. If you're into disc golf, we've got a nine-hole disc golf course. Uh, we're we take disc golf very seriously here. We have putting leagues on Wednesday nights. We have tournaments here. Uh, we've got a lot of people that play yeah. here. We're a bunch of disc golf nuts here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's. It, you know, I am, I am not a person who likes. I have never worked in an office before, and this is the first time ever that I've worked in an office consistently. And I hate working in an office, so I like to take a step out of the office and go wander around out there because it's 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 beautiful. I mean, you, there's things we've got a whole bunch of blue bonnets when they're in season. Uh, we have around chips got bee boxes. We've back got there. bees. Oh, nice. out here we, that we have around estate honey. Estate from. honey. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we all got a little Christmas gift of a jar of honey that's just fantastic. We're experimenting around with that, too, by giving the uh, the bees different uh, wort from some of our beers, like yeah. Primus and Hefeweizen, and kind of seeing, like, Feeding okay, is the, is the honey going to taste a little bit different? And it's this is only for our own right. sort right. of amusement. 
But it's a, it's it's a beautiful facility. I mean, we actually we just started probably within the last I don't know nine months or so. We just started doing actual public tours. Right. We yeah. we didn't have the capacity. Well, we didn't have the ability to really do it before, like consistently. And so now we try to do. Uh, every Saturday, we try to do one tour uh, of about 30 people to get on and, and kind of see what it is that makes us different uh, than other breweries. Sure. And as you hear, people are enjoying themselves here. <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's Friday. It's getting close to, you know, happy hour. Yep. Happy yep. hour, got exactly. A, got a food truck out there I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we've got the Black Forest. Uh uh, aptly, aptly named, aptly for, named. For a yeah, German that's, food truck. Uh, that's uh, Neil. Neil makes amazing. The schnitzel, which is probably my favorite, uh, but he does, you know, giant pretzels. He does uh, bratwurst. Bratwurst. Yeah. Usual suspects for German food. Yeah, nice. But he do, he kicks it up a notch. Yep. Yeah. So and then of course, like we talked about earlier, you had your festival here, but you've got some other things going on um, from time to time. So. What, else, what other type of activities are out here? Um, I noticed there was a, a disc golf league. I oh, yeah. So, so every Wednesday we do a, a putting league uh, with some local guys uh, yeah, from they have a local, Mint Disc. Yeah. Mint Disc. disc they, they make their own, like, discs. Uh, they have their own um, know, sort of league, Yeah, I guess. Uh, but they come out, and they, we do a Wednesday night league. They putting, do putting. Putting league, yeah. Basically, um, you, you buy in. And uh, if you get the best score, or if you're in the top score, you actually can get paid out. You know, of that nice. pool that that goes into, you know, if there are more people that sign up for a putting league, the more money you potentially win mm-hmm. if you win uh, if you're good at putting. Uh, but yeah, they host a lot of other local tournaments. They're hosting a tournament. Uh, they hosted a skins match here, where there's also a lot of money on the line. And uh, the, earlier in the week, and they're also hosting like a a national tournament. Um, Pairing up with another disc manufacturer to host a tournament at a, a, cl- a course close by at the Met Center. Um, yeah, they're pretty pretty awesome partnership. We got we have a, um, a IPA on currently. That they we laid out the hops, different hop varieties for them, and they there was, we said pick your favorite three varieties, and they picked them and uh, they got to we let them dry hop the beer. The nice. IPA. Um, so it was like they were involved in. It's something that of their own creation, as much as ours. So, I think cool. I saw something big coming up in April, maybe like oh, the first an- week. Our, <laughs> our anniversary party, 23, 24? 23 years, twenty three years or twenty four. I've lost count. I mean, so many. Years. I mean, I guess it's technically twenty four, but I think we're going with twenty three. Okay, <laughs> like I think yeah. we were selling beer maybe a little bit before ninety seven. Right. So, uh, what yeah. kind of events are planned around that out here? Well, okay, so there. Well, there's the there's our anniversary party, but also uh, in down in San Antonio, there's the Craft Brewers Conference, yeah, which is nice. a huge conference that happens every year. That is massive. Yeah, it's and national it's, slash international. Yeah, and so it's we're doing some things with that that are going to be really exciting. Um, we've got uh, a lot of events kind of planned around that. We have some. You know, a lot of people are going to be coming up here to kind of check out our facility and stuff. Like, we're, I don't want to say we're like the host brewery because I don't, I wouldn't go that far, but I think we yeah. are. I mean, for as, term, as far as Austin goes, you know, a lot, a lot of the people going to CBC are planning on not just standing in San Antonio the whole time because, I mean, it's no, no secret that Austin has just a more vibrant uh, craft beer market than 
any other. I I would argue any other city in the state. Yeah. Uh, some would say we're the most vibrant craft beer city in the nation at the moment. Um, I would argue against that. <laughs> I still think there's still some room for growth and improvement in all our sure. all the breweries and, and varieties of breweries. We still got a little ways to go there, but um, a lot of brewers are planning on spending some time in Austin. So we we, we plan on hosting a lot of uh, brewers from around the world. Um, and April. we're we're gonna have some really. I don't want. I'm not gonna give away our our secrets, but for anybody that's listening, you want to come out during the month of April because we are gonna have a lot of. Really awesome beers on tap. Uh, a lot of stuff that like you will not be able to get pretty much anywhere else. Um, I mean, it's you know our anniversary party. We like to go big, and we yeah. like to you know we, we like to get people excited for it. And like yeah, you know maybe in the sort of traditional mainstream view of craft beer, we're not doing like the double IPAs and things like that. But we are making beers that you can drink that are not. You know, you could pick up this beer and go, oh, "Wow, there's no flaws in this." Yeah. You know, you're not you're not dry hopping it a bunch to hide any sort of flaw. Like this is, yeah. you know, this is a very uh, time honored, traditional, traditionally brewed, you know, just masterpiece. When you yeah. when you yeah when you master the style, if you if you're able to, you know, hit all the style notes. There's a reason these styles of beers, these historical styles, have been around for so long because they're pretty much like if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of styles yeah that's why it's they've been around for so long i think that also too kind of that kind of speaks to like who we are overall like we don't chase after like any sort of hype or any sort of i mean we we were talking earlier about like you know we have our ipa but it's not something that we necessarily at least with my job uh doing our marketing i don't necessarily go out of my way to like promote in, in a way that is against who we are. Right. It's it's a style. We have it here for you. If somebody is visiting here for the first time and they traditionally drink more IPAs, which is the most popular beer style, we totally understand that. We want to have something for you to drink. But we also want you to be able to come in here and go, okay, they have an IPA, but whoa, I didn't. What is what is a Grzitzki? I want to try some of that. And maybe they'll get turned on. Maybe not. Maybe they won't like a smoked beer. But we don't like to focus on the styles that you will find every other brewery consistently doing. Some, right. some breweries will do a, a, a Pilsner, and they'll do it as like a more seasonal or a one-off. But we have a consistent Pilsner. We have... We do a lot of pilsners. Yeah. We have pills, which is our year round. We do gold as a seasonal. Our our newest one that's moving into the seasonal bracket because it has done so well for us and the reception was well received is pre war pills, which is a what is it nineteen twelve? Yeah, adapted from a recipe from nineteen twelve that we uh, <clears throat> linked up with this uh, this beer um, kind of nerd out in the world that has a. Like a historic, pretty much a beer historian that got big on social media. Uh, it's called Lost Loggers, and he he dug up this old uh, nineteen recipe from nineteen twelve from up, Upper New York State, where it basically uses a large percent. A de- I mean, for for beer recipes as they go, a large percentage of corn in the in the in the mash in the in the grist, and uh, and it also said like New York hops, but they don't really grow much many New York hop varieties up there, if not if it, if any at all anymore. They did historically uh, the early 20th century, but 
Um, so we just sub that with, you know, germ like you know old school German hops, which is basically what they would bring over from, you know, continental Europe and grow in the states. Something comparable. Something co- comparable. But I mean, we try to we try to get everything within the historic uh, sort of viewpoint of the style as much that we're as we going can for. as much the as we can with the ingredients that are available. Yeah. So and, I mean, yeah, that's a thirty five percent corn yeah. uh, mash, which is like typical for corn beer. At least, um, other than like the big, big guys, macro guys, um, you know, 35 is a big number. Usually it's more like 15 to 20 percent. Um, yeah, what's it? ABGB makes Rocket 100, and I think that's like 20, 15 to 20 percent corn. And that, that, that corn pilsner kind of is, yeah, 35 percent corn, and the rest is, you know, barley. And we saw a huge amount of like positive reaction to that beer when we first put it out. I mean, it was probably our fastest selling beer that we've had that wasn't like a consistent year-round beer. We sold out so quickly and we said, all right, well, now we got to kind of take a look at this in the overall picture of like, is this something that we want to kind of put out there a little bit more? And the response has been very overwhelming. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Yeah. So um, I think what we're going to do here for a moment, folks, is we're going to take ourselves a quick break and then we're going to come back and get to know more about Mike and Ryan and uh, how they got here Sweet. at Austin. <laughs> yep. Cool. So Sounds be back good. in a second. All right. Welcome back to the Trail to Austin. I'm Bob Morse, your host. I'm here with Joel McCall, as always. Hello. And we're here with uh, Ryan Monahan and Mike O'Connell. And we're going to find out a little bit about them now. So um, tell us where you guys are from. Um, I guess it's I'm from, uh, from a, little, a little closer. Um, I'll start. Um, I didn't fall too far from the tree. I'm, I'm, I was born in Austin at wow. the, the, seat, the Seton on 38th. He's Mar- the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I actually heard there are three of them oh, okay. somewhere. Yep, yeah. Uh, but I grew up um, in uh, Lago Vista, so northwest Travis County. Um, yeah, just on the lake. Uh, not on, on the lake, but it was, yeah, it was grown, chill to grow up there, but definitely, uh, you know, uh, did the whole uh, go, went to UT and after after high school and never wanted to leave after that. Uh, we, as the saying goes, what starts here stays here. Um, and I was definitely about that. I just fell in love with Austin and uh, obviously drank a lot of beer in college um, and still uh, passed um, with flying colors indeed. Um, I was a music major, music business. Um, so after graduation, uh, I was also in the UT marching band. Uh, that, was, that was really fun. Uh, what you uh, play? Uh, Big Bertha. Oh, really? Big, wow. big drum. Nice. Yeah, that was so much fun. Best seats in the house for football games because we were right on the field, right behind the end zone. Um, so, yeah, it was cool high-fiving players when we would score touchdowns here and there and uh, sometimes seeing celebrities. Uh, yeah, that was just a blast going to a lot of those championship games, uh, even the one where we lost to, to Alabama in, in, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, in 2009. Uh, great trip, though. I mean, it was just an amazing experience. Uh, so, after that, you know, graduation music business, the uh, natural progression was uh, find Get out how job. to make find out how to make uh, how, how to make beer for a living. That was the that was yeah <laughs> that was the goal. I was looking for jobs in the music business, and it, you know, there were some things here and there, but a lot of unpaid internships. Yeah, yeah. that's just how it goes with the fine arts. Uh, but somehow, um, a couple of months after graduation, stumbled on a, uh, a job ad uh, 
on Craigslist, yeah. of all things. Um, and uh, to this day, I never discount Craigslist because it worked out for me and has hopefully worked out for other people. <laughs> or maybe not worked out so well. Uh, but, yeah, the job ad said, um, cereals-based fermented beverage company company seeking entry-level worker. And I was like, well, that sounds gross. Oh, wait, this is a trick. This is a this is cryptic. Oh, yeah, cereals-based fermented beverage. That's beer. Right. That's, a, that's a brewery. A brewery is hiring. And it gave some, some clues, like, uh, we're a small, independent, uh, self-distributing brewery in East Austin. And this was 2013 when I started working at Live Oak. So at the time, there was only... Live Oak and Hops and Grain in East Austin. So I was like, all right, if it's either one of those breweries, hopefully it's Live Oak because I was a huge Live Oak fan at the time. Live Oak Cafe is still my favorite beer. Um, I was like, hopefully it's Live Oak. I applied 10 days later, got the call from our distribution manager who did the hiring back then, and uh, Chris Cherry, and he uh, was like, hi, this is Chris Cherry with Live Oak. And I was like, I'm sorry, did you say Live Oak? He's like, yep. Then I interviewed the next day, 10 minutes, and he was like, all right, feel good about this you're hired and he's like uh, he's like when can you start i was like i don't have a job so um, as soon as possible he's like how about tomorrow at eight i was like all right see you then so, so what yeah. is an entry-level position oh good, good question um, <laughs> yeah he was he was you know i was like a bright-eyed you know just out of college kid and uh he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna ruin this this kid i saw the look in his eyes yeah uh, Yep. He's like, yeah, you're basically going to be washing kegs till you're, you know, until you, you, know, you fall apart, essentially. Um, and yeah, I, I did that. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I just washed kegs for the first three months, and then uh, they, I was taught how to, you know, fill kegs and then clean tanks, transfer beer, carbonate beer, and just morphed into more what is called cellar work. Um, started as a, a cellarman is the job title. A cellar with a C, like a beer cellar. <laughs> Uh, sell, a cellar where beer is kept and, and lagered, um, and we were charged, you know, all that, all that, and packaging uh, beer and st- stacking beer. So we would hand stack kegs at the old brewery. Um, do a lot of stuff at the old brewery by hand. Uh, it destroyed all of our bodies, um, but luckily we're still able to stand over here today. Um, and then that uh, morphed into being assistant brewer and harvesting yeast and being more involved in the brew process. And then in 2016, we moved here after being here for over a year. Um, one of the brewers um, got a, a job at a, a, a new brewery in, in Austin, a new brew pub opening up, and that opened the door for me to step into the brewing role. Uh, Excellent. I've been doing that since 2016. So, yeah, just really started at the bottom and just did all the all the work. So it's a mixture of that and just good timing with Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly. So, Mike, I know you weren't born in Austin. No, no, no. I was uh, I was born actually in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I know. And then uh, and then my mother uh, moved uh, herself and myself down to Florida, St. Augustine, Florida, uh, in '89. And then I that's where I grew up. I, I went to school uh, in Florida, and I left. Uh, by the way, St. Augustine is the nation's oldest city. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I like to flout that a little bit. Yeah, what, is, what does everyone else say it usually is? What is like Roanoke, Virginia or something? Oh, yeah, no. everyone likes to some sort of Mayflower. St- uh, no, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> it's St. Augustine. Well, it's St. Augustine. It's the oldest continuously inhabited. Uh, exactly. Right. Yep, that yep, makes yep. sense. It was, we, were, uh, we were founded uh, by the Spanish in 1565. And it's a beautiful city. I loved it, but... You know, it's, it's as, Florida. Okay. It's Florida, and like as a kid, kind of growing up, that's uh, a little bit more, uh, let's say, left leaning. 
<laughs> well, there is a reason they play that game, Germany or Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I will tell you this. I did a podcast a couple years ago where we played that game, and I did terrible at it. Really? I did terrible. I, I claim to know a lot about Florida, and I know a lot about it, but I will mess up that game every <laughs> single time because I just forget how ridiculous it is. But I, I live there. I moved out uh, in, what, 2003. I moved to San Francisco, and then... San Francisco to New York, uh, and then once uh, my daughter was born, it was like uh, we can't do this whole like living in New York. Like it's going to cost so much. You have to have like you have to start. You're looking at you know daycare centers. You know two years before you're going to have a kid if you want to get a good one. And it was one of those things where it's like we gotta we gotta figure this out. And we had come down um, to, to to Austin a bunch of times, and I, I always loved it every time I've been here. And so we, we kind of toyed around with that idea, and then we just said, eh, screw it, let's just try it out. And at the time, I was working with Whole Foods uh, in New York, and I was a beer buyer for the oldest uh, Whole Foods in New York. And I did great. I I, you know, I don't have to pat myself on the back, but I did a really good job in that position for that store. That that kind of really launched my sort of career when it came to beer and has taken it, like, very seriously. And I came down here and interviewed for a job with Whole Foods as well. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine that was opening up a bar on Rainy Street called Craft Pride. Right. And he was like, hey, you're already hired. Like, as soon as you move down here, if you want a job, you're already hired. So I was like, all right, cool. So I got the job with Whole Foods down here. I got the job with Craft Bride, started with that. And then within, oh, God, I want to say like seven months or so, uh, I had seen that one of my favorite breweries that I had always supported when I lived in New York as a beer buyer, they were hiring for uh, a sales rep uh, in Texas. And uh, they were founders brewing out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they didn't have anybody down here. So I said, well, screw it. Let's just go for that job. Let's see what it's about. And then I got hired on and I did sales with them. And then I, after a couple of years, you know, I was, I was like really digging the idea of like, let's keep it a little bit more local. I understand where, uh, excuse me, where bars and such come from, where they're like, we want to support local. I said, all right, well, I get that. And then I, I came across, you know, an opening with another local brewery that was uh, out of, based out of, they're based out of Garland, Lakewood Brewing. So in that DFW sort of area, they were launching in Austin. And I said, well, you know, why not? I already have all the connections I have. With my previous job, I'd love to get this job, and I got that. Started working for them, and I only <laughs> I only did maybe almost a year. And I'd got to the point where it was like with sales, I was kind of done. I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like it, it takes its toll. You go into the same places over and over, and you try to sell them your beer again, and you deal with the inner politics when it comes to the beer business, uh, especially when it comes to sales. And I said, I'm done. I'm done with the beer industry, and I quit. Most beer buyers don't drink beer. Yeah, the they just want to yeah. know what's going to sell. And I mean, you know, I get it, man. But like at the same time, you gotta, you know, put something in people's hands that they're going to like. So I quit. I was like, I'm done with the beer industry. And I, at the time, I found myself without a job. And then, so I said, Well, I'll start, you know, driving for Lyft. And I did that for a bit. And I was like, oh, I want to do a podcast with this. So I started doing that. And I was like, This is great. But it also wasn't really paying the bills. As well, you know, my daughter was just about to start like actual school, 
So I was like, okay, that's a good, that's a relief. That's $825 a month I don't have to spend on her daycare. So, you know, like, all right, let's take a risk here. And then I saw that, uh, you know, I had known some of the people at Live Oak for a while. And I said, if you guys got anything in the tap room, whatever, you know, and then so one of the guys, Colin, uh, the uh, sort of lead sales guy said, hey, we've got a position opening up for a draft line cl- cleaner. He's, his, his business card says Beer Shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I said, all right. Well, so I got in touch with, you know, just like Ryan, I got in touch with Chris Cherry, and we sat down and we talked, and he said, yeah, all right, you're hired. You know, when do you want to start? I said, as soon as possible. So I was out there cleaning draft lines. I was going into bars. <coughs> making sure that everything was up to snuff, making sure that everything was pouring correctly. And I did that for quite a bit. You know, I will will say that I feel like I moved up pretty quickly in this, uh, you know, within our business. I saw that there was was a, a need that wasn't being fulfilled so much that we didn't have any sort of marketing presence. You know, we did. Granted, yeah, social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that had a presence, but I wanted to contribute to that a little bit more. And so I think I think it was with, with, with you and I, uh, Ryan and I, we were, you know, sort of discussing the idea like, well, we're going to show UT games here and kind of go from there. And so I was like, well, I've done MC work in the past. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I used to. Without getting too much into it, and I know you guys are going to be like, wait, what? I used to run a beard beard club in New York. <laughs> I used to put on competitions in New York. I was on a reality TV show. Look it up. But I, I used to do this, and we used to do these competitions, and I would be an MC, and so like I always felt comfortable with that. So we were trying to find a way to sort of integrate me into this like UT thing and all this and like trying to figure that out. And then after a while, I was like, man... You know, I went to school for, like, film. I would like to kind of maybe move into that and kind of figure out what we can do with all this. And then after a while, it was like, there's no all right. Jet. There's well, it, that jet. was more interesting than you think. <laughs> that was a military jet. Yeah, we got oh, yeah, they fly too. all the time. All the time. Uh, so I was, I was doing a lot of sort of, uh, all right, let's kind of see what works. And you know, sort of mold it. I was like, this isn't a position. This isn't a position. So I'm doing it on my own time. And then all of a sudden it was like moving into like, okay, like you're going to be moved off the distribution team. Now you're going to be doing this, but like, we'll keep you doing that two days a week, three days a week. You know, you'll work in the tap room and serve beer and stuff. And I was like, all right, that's fine. That's fine. And then it slowly transformed into an actual position where it's like, all right, now we're trusting you with, like, budgets for, like, you know, for marketing our beer and marketing the brewery and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. I, I will say this. It's the best job that I've had to date because it gives me a lot of freedom. And I love the beer. And nothing about this is, like, promoting myself in any sort of way. It's just promoting who we are. You 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 built the the marketing department from the from the ground up. We didn't have a we don't have we never had a marketing manager. Never had a marketing department. So yeah, you just you did all the things to to build that up from scratch. You know? And it wasn't easy. Thank you. It was, no, <laughs> we, we, we 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 need marketing so bad. I mean, but basically, we we focus most of our resources on making good beer. Yeah. But uh, but. But if brewers actually want to make if breweries actually want to make more money, they put their more more of their budget and focus on marketing. 
because we've, we've, we've all seen historically you can definitely, if you market something well enough, you can definitely sell a bad product and a lot of it. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say from my viewpoint when it comes to marketing is I'm of that generation that doesn't, I don't like to be sold something. Right. I don't. I have such a negative viewpoint when it comes to marketing in some ways. But what I bring, especially to our brewery, is I want to entertain you in a way that makes you go, oh, well, man, you know, live oak. You know, it's, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm selling you a beer at the end of the day. Excuse me. I just sold myself a beer earlier and (laughs) got a little. uh, I, like I want you to, I want you to see that, like yes, we have a beer, we have a product that we're trying to sell, and that's our overall goal. But I also, I, I don't want it to be in the typical sort of way. So like we kind of do things a little bit offbeat. Um, you know, they're, they're a little bit different than what you would normally see that's out there, and a lot of that just has to do with like just my viewpoint on it. And I'm not saying that my viewpoint is overall the correct way in doing things, but. We have seen a lot of growth in our social media outlets and just who we are, and, and, and our getting our name out there. And like, okay, what can we do to kind of get our name out there a little bit more? Because we are only Texas based, you know. Right. But I send our beer. I send beer samples to people all over the U.S. that I know will appreciate our beer and can get our beer out there. This, you know, we were talking. I forgot your name, Chris. Chris and I were talking earlier about the right. destination spot. We want people to come to Austin and go, our first stop is this sort of destination sort of brewery. Like we, you know, these guys do something that's a little bit different. And so I'm, my viewpoint is always like, I look at the overall picture of like, okay, yes, I'm selling you beer, but that is a small percentage of this. Overall, our industry is very open. We are very into sharing our beers. And that is kind of, at the end of the day, like you go back to a home brewer, a home brewer wants to share their beer with you right that is what we want to do and we want to also you know be able to tell you the history of the style or something different that we do and we want you to feel welcome when you come here and so that is my sort of overall you know voice when it comes to what it is that we do is like yeah i might do something that like sometimes it'll flop sometimes it'll be great whatever it is but like i always come from a a, 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 a the point of I want you to be at least entertained, yeah. And I want you to go, oh, wow. What's up with live oak? You know. So um, this one's coming back to you, Ryan, for a second. <clears throat> right on, right on. Being the uh, longtime Austin resident, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the biggest change you've seen outside of traffic? Mm. You know, but what what do you think's changed most about this city? Um population for sure um, just having just even more increasingly variety of options for just anything um food food wise now we, it's like oh you know 10 years ago we didn't have this kind of restaurant but now we do and have multiple you know types of that restaurant um and also just all these different areas of town opening up just like um yeah just it has ex- like before when I was in college, I was just pretty much around campus. But at, you know, then I after college, I was working on the east side at the uh, you know the old Live Oak. We call it 1.0. And uh, when I never went to East Austin much as a student, but then I realized, oh, there's all this cool stuff in East Austin, and there's, there's more, more and more cool stuff, and just more and more pockets of Austin all the time. So, just when you think you've 
that I've figured out the city and done all the things, like there's just stuff that just keeps popping up, never gets old. Uh, Do you feel like the personality's changed much? Um, I mean, yeah, because, you know, there's less and less of us uh, natives and more and more, uh, you know, new people moving here that... They, they, Were you going to say Californians? No, I was going to say Flor- Floridians. <laughs> Floridians. <laughs> oh, he's got both covered. <laughs> but ma- yeah, mainly Californians. I, my, my biggest pet peeve is, is the is people that move here that you know they uh, they, they they call the cops on a on live music and sound ordinances. It's like, do you know do you know where you're moving and like you know do yeah. your research. Uh, you know who was here first? Yeah, who was here first? And you know it's like that's that's part of our soul is is, is music and. Uh, People coming in and building hotels right next to uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to really iconic music venues and telling them to turn the volume down. It's like you're yeah. the per- you're the the people that built a hotel in a, in our yep. most vibrant live music district. So it's like yeah, no, they want to give their guests easy access to it, but then they don't want you know. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will say like, even too on. like that. That's that's my. I, I see it the same way, and I haven't lived here nearly as long. I've lived here seven years, but I visited here, and every single time, like, when I would come back to visit, it would always be like, whoa, this is a little bit different. And then living here, and especially when I did beer sales, I would go around to places, and I'm like, wait, there's a there's another bar opening up. There's another restaurant. Like, everything has changed. I have a, a good friend of mine who used to live, uh, his house... Oh, man, I can't remember the name of the place now, but it's where Rio Rita used to be. It's the house next door. Uh, it's it's now uh, like a restaurant. He lived in that house. As I, that was his house. Like his kids were born there. He would go, you know, his post office was just down the street and all this. And then you, you go through and you're like, I, I don't recognize the East Side yeah, anymore. No. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Even the even one of the the coffee shops that I used to go to quite a bit in in. You know, which at the time was considered very new, was uh, Brew and Brew. It's on Fifth uh, and San Marcos, and in I, we used to park in the parking like the the dirt lot across the way. That is mm-hmm. becoming a Target and a Whole Foods. Yeah, Whole Foods insane. is down the street. Yeah, on Lamar and Sixth, and now they're putting all this in the high rises, and it's just like you see it and you go. I don't know what to make of it. I live like outside of the city now. Like I, right. I just I feel like I can't afford it, and I now I have a house. I went from an apartment living in Austin to a house outside of Austin, and that's it. That that you know that's a huge thing. Granted, I'm not I'm not from here. You know, I can only speak to like my seven years of experience here. But I I see it as like wow, it's it's constantly evolving. Yeah. And, and to expound upon the change, that what is changing the most is the affordability. Yeah, that's, what's, that's the big bummer. Even in the past seven years, it's just gotten pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we as brewers and people that work for breweries, like we do it. It's a passion thing. We, yeah. we do it because we love beer. We, we don't we make all, a we, lot. We, of we money. don't. We all make a lot of money. <laughs> so it's the trade off. We could. We'd all be doing something else and making a lot more money. But um, you know, people people kind of point to breweries and are quick to point the finger. At, oh, new breweries coming in, so my rent's going to go up. It's like. Mm. No, no tr- trust me. Like people that work for the brewery, that people that are working for it, like we're all in the same boat. It's the developments around those breweries and popular right. spaces right. that are going to make the rents increase. It yeah. doesn't necessarily have to do with an actual brewery. Yeah, I mean, you could go down the street here, and it looks 
It used to be worse. Like if you come up the street here, I noticed they got the cars too. Oh yeah, they got rid of the car. It used to, I, yeah. I used to tell people all the time it looked like uh, 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 RoboCop's Detroit out there. Like <laughs> right. I'm expecting a tire on fire to go rolling by as I'm driving up. It's gotten a lot better, but yeah. like those. The, the, the rent's not increasing over there because no. we're over yeah. here. No, no, no. So, yeah. So Austin's theme, you know, of course, is keep Austin weird. So what's the weirdest thing you've seen so far? <laughs> that what? question usually stops people. I know, they do. Yeah, they like, always stop I mean, and go, just kind of, oh, wow. Uh, the whole, the whole so thing is, she used to be weirder, right, as I, as I say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen that uh, that guy around you know Barton Springs Road uh, biking around and just the, the thong. Oh, the thong, thong. yeah, yeah. The thong guy, yeah, yep. the thong guy, yeah. Um, definitely used to see Leslie here and there. Um, yep. Uh, <laughs> Man, I I don't know what the weirdest. I mean, I like lot, we have a lot of those like spray paint murals and or this no the, the you know I love you so much kind of thing. You're my butter half. Yeah. One time I was driving to work one day and there was that really. That um, sketchy-looking computer place on um, Manor Road and Airport. You know what I'm talking about? It's like something, the computer store or something. Just really, it looks like vacant, but it's got to be a front for something. I, uh, it has to be a front for something. And one day I was driving to work, and someone had spray painted on the on on the front of the building, on the bay door. Um, I just watched the new Star Wars on acid, and it was awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's that, Austin, that's Austin for you. Yeah, that sounds uh, like old Austin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they they took they like they re, they took it down or they painted over it. And I was so mad. I was like, just keep that. That's like perfectly Austin right there. Perfect, I, man. I I feel like I remember like the first time I saw, uh, chicken shit bingo. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> um, Amazing. Even, even, That's not even a word like, I would think of for it. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I will say too. Also, like even though I was, even though I had my beard club up in New York, uh, the Austin <laughs> Facial Hair Club down that's, here, that's like they, I mean, they've been running their. I think they're coming up on eighteen. No, that may, that might be a little too high, but like twelve or eleven years of putting on like a facial hair. Comp- like to me, that's that that makes. That makes sense. Like, that makes sense right. in this right. sort of culture of Austin. Like, that's weird. Like, it started out as, like, a really weird thing. And then they were selling out the Mohawk. You know, right. like, you couldn't get in if you didn't buy a ticket soon. And that, to me, was always like, man, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always, I just, I love stuff like that. So, other than uh, stop by the brewery as soon as you land, since obviously, and I'm not joking, folks. This thing is is a, you know, what did you say? Five minutes. To, five minutes. Yeah, five minutes from 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 uh, tap room to terminal in five minutes. Yeah, and you back. have to pass by it on your way into Austin, so it's not like it's true. You know, yeah. you're going out of your way or anything. Yeah. I mean, you take a little jaunt off the road, but it's not much. It's you know. Well, we open at noon. Yes. <laughs> so if you're coming in, close around nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or ten on the, on the weekends. So if you're coming in, do that. But so back to my question, what advice would you give somebody who wants to move to Austin? <laughs> oh man, Drink more beer? Don't. Yeah, I know that's <laughs> yeah, most people's mainly, answer. But mainly don't. Or and if you do, uh, you know, move to uh, the, the outskirts, like the the rest of us that can only afford to live, kind of. And respect the culture. Yeah, of don't. Austin. Yeah, and if you do have to move here, 
Um, please embrace the culture. It's a good culture. Don't try to tip your servers, tip, tip your, your bartenders. Tip your bartenders. Well. Um, we are very friendly people as long as you don't mess with what we got going on. Yeah. I mean, that's if you're about live music and dealing with the occasional uh, ruckus, you know, because um, we like to, we like to have a good time here. Uh, but we all also respect each other's, um, you know, um, you know, just we're, we're all Texans still at the end of the day. So we you know. we're we're. V- and I say this as like I feel like I was welcomed into Texas. Yeah, be, but like be a good everybody neighbor. feels yeah. like well, like in my times of visiting Austin before I even moved here, I was always like, this is this is very indicative of like when I lived in Florida. Like it's that Southern hospitality. We will also tell you how we feel about you, but we also embrace like a lot of the weird sort of cultures, uh, you know, the subcultures of you know just life, and I feel like. If you're against any of that, you're going to stick out. Like People yeah. are going to know that like you're not from here. You know, be, a, I, be a good neighbor. Be a, you know? be a good neighbor just because you know, your neighbor is playing music really loud doesn't mean, you know, that's, they're, they're yeah. going to shoot fireworks off. Let them do it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think we're going we're gonna to start heading towards the end here. Joel, you got anything you want to uh, plug? This place... Is phenomenal. Thank you. It thank is. you. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask: Did you build it from the ground up? Yeah, I want to okay. say um, my boss Chip bought this property probably you know upwards of fifteen years ago. Um, always with the idea of and hope that um, if you know the old brewery, if if we were successful there, um, you know, eventually one day he would build his church upon this rock, uh, <laughs> so to speak, um, his, his church of beer. Um, and yeah, it, it all worked out. We built it from the ground up. Um, you know, not with some of our definitely. We're mostly independent. Um, like we're we're not. Um, it's mostly Chip's money. It's uh, he only has a few friend, close friend investors involved, yep. and also uh, a, a massive uh, bank loan made this thing possible. You know, so this uh, we is were, truly we're, a Texas venture. Truly, yeah. Uh, yeah. mostly independent, like pretty independent uh, Texas venture. Well, um, I, I just want to tell people, if you get a chance, come see this place because it's it's gorgeous. There is a a, a sunken amphitheater in the live oaks down here. <laughs> yeah, we built this uh, facility around uh, a few live oak groves, yeah, live yeah. Oak, natural live oak tree groves. And the and bar, a lot of live inside, bar inside is all handmade live oak a bar and, and yeah. the handles all on the, the tap tabs. handles are from it's, here. It's a phenomenal facility, and yeah. you guys have just done masterful. masterful Thank you. Thank you. It's very easy for us to take it for granted, but I love when people come and oh yeah, compliment it the way that like I remember my first time here. Yeah, it keeps bringing bring me back to, you know, yeah. to the beginning. So do you, we're we're gonna. Talk a little bit about some events you got coming up that I saw, but um, did you have anything you wanted to plug? In a year? Yeah, I'm playing Wednesday night with David Polkingham. That would be February 12th. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, yeah. February 12th. Okay. Like 14th is uh, at New World Friday. Deli. And uh, if you're hearing this and it's not yet Wednesday, February 12th, <laughs> put it on your calendar. <laughs> and I saw something on, on your calendar. Low microphone. <laughs> um, the tour, yeah, 
uh, the 29th of February? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yep. pretty much every Saturday uh, we got a tour. And, and pretty much every Saturday, it's me <laughs> leading the tour. We we roped Ryan into it. They kept asking me to do it. I was like, I don't know enough of the scientific stuff. Yeah. I'll just make people laugh and I get all a, the facts wrong. I give a very uh, thorough tour, and if uh, you're you're a person that's very much about learning and and, and just, uh, being a sponge for information mm-hmm. about beer, and uh, you know that's the right tour for you because I don't I don't just point at tanks and yeah. say what their name is and. And I, I, I take you all through the whole process and the history of Live Oak and the whole brewing process, or at least what we do and what makes us different and special. And you get a free pour of beer and nice. a glass. You get your own. Well, it's $10. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, $10, tour, it's 10 bucks. So it's 10 bucks. Yeah. With that $10, you get a, you get a free pour of beer and, uh, and, and the tour from a, uh, from a brewer or, uh, you know, or someone that is, is acquainted with the process. So Okay. And I see you have an Eclipse watch party on April 8th. Is it eighth or fifth? I think yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's the eighth. Hopefully, yeah. it's a, Tw- 20, hopefully it's a four-day uh, eclipse. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that would be cool. That's and, the end times. I think. Yeah. Twenty twenty-four. I think. Twenty twenty-four. And lastly, you've got your twenty-third anniversary. Yeah. Yep. April eleventh. Okay. We'll definitely see our boss out here, Chip, in yep. a, a tie-dye shirt of some sort. We've. Hopefully we'll have the tie-dye-your-own-shirt tie yes. station. Yeah, it won't be as cold as it over. was a couple years yeah, ago. <laughs> a couple years ago was April, and it was that weird day where it was 43 degrees. Um, oh, yeah. No, uh, considering it's, what, 80 today and we're sitting outside? Or? Hey, we have bad luck on our anniversary party. No matter when we do it, there's <laughs> something the changes. Whether it's usually rains or it's cold. All changes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good changes. Yeah. So, well, with that, um, thanks, guys. This has been a pleasure. It's a lot of fun out here. Uh, beautiful facility. You ought to come out and see it. Um, easy drive from the airport, obviously. Um, On the banks of the Colorado River as well. Yeah. And who knows? You might see the horses. Yeah. So, well, on that note, uh, we'll see you next time on the Trail to Austin. Yeah.